Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. My name is Chris, and I'm one of the pastors. Let me, let me know, who has already started decorating for Christmas? There you go. Who started a month ago? That's right. No shame in it. My Christmas tree is already up, lights are already hung, and it looks amazing. Well, we're, we're about to start moving into the Christmas season, but before we do, we're still in November, so we're going to stay one more week on Thanksgiving, and we're going to focus on that this morning. And I want to share some things with us, but before we do, I want to say just something I'm thankful for is right up here in the front, in the second row, Robert Herber. I'm thankful for Robert... Most of you have heard Robert preach if you've been around a while. Robert is on our board of advisors as a church. He has been integral in helping this church grow into what it is. But he's also been integral in my life and my family's life. I know in J.D. and Liz's life. And we are grateful for you. We're so thankful that you're here and thankful that you're a part of helping lead us forward. It is an exciting time here in Antioch. And God is doing good things. And it's really exciting. You know, I want to tell you a story about a friend of mine, a friend of mine named Jared. Jared's a a Navy pilot. He's retired now, but he had nearly 20,000 hours of flight time. To give you some context for what that means is it takes 40 hours to get your pilot's license. It takes 1,500 hours to become a commercial pilot. Jared, when he retired, had nearly 20,000 hours hours of flight time, often flying in unfriendly territory with dignitaries. He ended up spending the last seven or eight years of his flying career flying diplomats around the world and going to diplomatic meetings because he served as the Navy's diplomat to Congress. And so he would fly them and then he would delegate with them. And do things, and I, I became very interested in, in someone who had flown for nearly 20,000 hours about what flying was like. And he would tell me that flying, so much of it is about staying oriented to where you're going. He's like, you can be moving in a direction, and it can feel like you're moving in a direction. And the way that you have to stay oriented is you have to trust your instruments, is you can be going in the right direction, but you can be just two degrees off. And it may not seem like a big deal, but two degrees over time becomes a big space. Becomes a big space. And so you have to trust those instruments. He's like, you have to trust your training. He said, you know, on one occasion we were flying into South America. And there were some unfriendlies on the ground that didn't like what we were doing there. And he said, so we would fly in at night. And as we flew in at night, our eyes would adjust and we would, our, our natural night vision would set in. So to disorient us, what they would do is as we were approaching for landing, they would have big spotlights and shine them at us. And we knew if we looked at them, our night vision was gone. And it would take roughly 30 minutes to get it back. 
So we couldn't land the plane safely. So you had to, as a pilot, trust your instruments. See this flash opening over here, but stay focused on your instruments, trusting that they were going to guide you into the right spot. But the most interesting thing he told me about, about trusting your instruments, was this phenomenon that most pilots experience at some point in their journey, which is called spatial disorientation. Spatial disorientation is what happens when what is going on around you causes you to feel like you're maybe going in the wrong direction. Maybe that instead of actually being right side up, you're upside down. And so it'll cause a pilot to feel like they are dropping in altitude when actually they're gaining altitude. And so what you'll do if you don't trust your instruments is even though it feels like you're declining, you'll start to switch. And he said most, many pilots have gotten confused by this deal and crashed into the side of mountains, have started to go into a nosedive when they actually thought they were climbing, only to realize too late that they had gotten off course. So he said there's some instruments that every plane has that tell you if you're okay, if you're getting disoriented or not. He said, and there's not just one set of instruments. These instruments are duplicated because it's easy to mistrust one instrument when you're disoriented, but it's really hard to mistrust two. And so he said, we have these two instruments that keep us on the right heading, that keep us moving forward when the clouds surround us and we get disoriented. Tell you what, I've been disoriented in life. I've been in situations where it felt like the clouds surrounded me. I thought I was moving in the right direction, but all of a sudden, all of a, sudden a, a season rolled in, a circumstance shifted. And I can no longer see the way that I'm going. What do you do when life disorients you? What are your instruments? What are the instruments that you're looking for to keep you oriented that allow you to keep moving forward and still feel disoriented? Because sometimes the disorientation doesn't go away. You just have to trust your instruments. Sometimes you're going to feel like you're upside down. And you're going to have to trust your instruments and believe that they're moving you forward in the right direction until you pass through the fog and you realize, okay, I made it out. Psalm 100 verse 4 gives us some idea on how to move forward when life disorients you, on what to do. It says in Psalm 100 verse 4, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. See, God's got a purpose for each one of us. He's got a plan to to move us forward, to keep us on the right heading, to see us see all the, the dreams in his heart for your life come to pass. He's got a plan to do that. But sometimes circumstances roll in and throw us off course. Or they make us feel like we're at least off course. And so we start to go, am I really doing the right thing? And, and here, 
there's an indication of how do we move forward when it feels like things are in total chaos. I mean, just picture it. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. A gate is an open, open door to something. How are we going to move? Complaining doesn't move you forward. Complaining shuts you down. It stops you. But if we will enter in with thanksgiving, and thanksgiving is this idea of looking around at what God's done and telling him thank you. Simply saying thank you for the things in my life that are happening. I'm going to walk forward. I'm going to walk through the gate that you have for me. I'm going to move forward into the purposes for my life with thanksgiving. I'm not going to to look at what I don't have. I'm going to look at what you've already done. I'm going to celebrate what's already happening around me, and I'm going to move forward. And I'm not going to deny that there's some things that haven't happened yet, but I'm just not going to give them my words. I'm not going to just sit around and say, look at what I don't have. Look at what didn't happen. No, I'm going to say, look at what God has done. Look at what God has done. And I'm going to enter his courts with praise. Praise and thanksgiving, they may sound like the same thing, but there's a subtle difference. Praise is when I recognize who he is. I may not understand who he is, but I recognize who he is, and I just remind myself of who he is. I remind myself of who you are. Just think about what that word court means. I enter his courts. This is not like a judge banging a gavel. This is a royal court. This is where you would walk in and you would see a king seated on a a throne. Where you would walk in and be reminded, oh, he's king, I'm not. God, I enter your courts with praise. I step through the door with thanksgiving and I enter the courts reminding myself of who you are. When life feels like it's swirling around me, when the clouds have rolled in and I feel like this plane is going down. I'm going to trust my instruments of thanksgiving and praise. I'm not going to adjust course. I'm just going to look at my instruments. I'm going to look around and say, God, look at what you've done and look at who you are. And I'm going to believe that as I keep saying, God, look at what you've done and look at who you are, I'm going to make it. I'm just going to keep making it. I'm going to keep pushing through. And eventually these clouds are going to pass. They won't stay forever. And when you're in the midst of it, it feels like they will. And that's why you've got to trust your instruments. That's why you've got to trust these dials. Because these dials will help you push through. So how do we give thanksgiving? Let's dig in there a little bit. Psalm 100 goes on to say, For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This morning, I got up. And I made some coffee, and I went and sat on my back porch because it was a beautiful morning. And I put into practice this idea of being thankful. So you can be thankful for little things, and you can be thankful for big things. Thanksgiving is a rhythm that we can develop. It can just become a part of who we are. So I sat on my back porch saying things like, God, I thank you for my dog. He's a good dog. And some of you have bad dogs. (laughs) But I got a good one. God, I thank you for coffee. I thank you that I get to sit out here on this beautiful morning. That it's like 
57 degrees, and it feels gorgeous out here. God, thank you for the, even the back porch that I get to sit on. This is a space that is so refreshing for me. God, I, I can say thank you for, for the big things and for the little things. God, thank you for my family. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for what you're doing in my kid's life. God, thank you that I have hair. Hey, you can be thankful for big things and little things. But you just look around at your life and you say, thank you. God, thank you. I see what there is. I see what you've done. God, you've been so good to me. Your faithfulness has continued. I can look back at my history and say, God, thank you for how you provided when we were in that situation. Thank you how you've shown up for my kids this year as we've moved from one city to another. Thank you how you've met with them. I can look at him and say, thank you for what you've done during now, but thank you for what you've done in the past. I can look around at my life and just say thank you. And all of a sudden, it creates a rhythm of thankfulness. Have you ever found that when you start to complain about something or you start to vent, it becomes a pattern? You find certain people that will let you vent and, and all your, your coffees turn into? Or just, hey, I just need to let off some steam. Just need to vent a little bit. It becomes a rhythm. It becomes a pattern. It becomes a, a flow of your life. And it actually begins to shape the atmosphere that you live in. You start to see what is wrong with your life, not what is right about your life. I have a, a guy in our life who spent about four or five days with us a couple years ago. We were in a really difficult season. This guy's name is Joe Ewan. He's a little Scottish prophet. Former fisherman turned prophet, fiery little dude. It's fun to be around Joe. And he says thank you for just about everything in life. And he spent four days with us. And we were in a season where we, were, we felt like the clouds had rolled in. Christy and I were confused about what God was doing, about where we were at. We were, so many situations just felt like they were just, what, God, what is happening? And Joe showed up at our house, and he spent four days with us, and we tell him, you know, hey, you know, yeah, Micah's football team won a game yesterday. Thank you, Jesus. And we'd be like, okay, didn't, didn't know that needed thinking. <laughs> and then we'd hand him a, a drink, or we'd say, we're glad you're here. But about every tenth word was thank you, Jesus, for f about four days. The environment of our house completely shifted. It completely shifted. What we were thinking about started to shift. Even the dreams that we had at night stopped being troubling. And they started being rejoicing. They started being more hopeful because the atmosphere of our home shifted from one of complaining to one of thankfulness. We stepped through the gate with thankfulness. And all the circumstances didn't change. But we did. We shifted. Eventually, the clouds lifted, and we saw the way forward. But thanksgiving is what allowed us to stay stable in the midst of that. That's what we have to understand about this, too, is the circumstance won't change all the time. That's, un that's frustrating. Sometimes we think, well, if I just start saying thank you, 
everything's going to go away. It, maybe. Maybe not. But you'll change. You won't be, un, you won't be shakable. All of a sudden, stuff will happen, and you'll be steady. That's why the Bible tells us to be thankful for everything. 1 Timothy chapter 4 says, For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. We can actually give thanks for everything. Everything that comes our way. That's why it said in, in James 1, Consider it all joy when you face trials of many kind. You hear that when you're not being thankful, and you're like, that is insane. Consider my troubles joy. Consider my chaos joy. How can I do that? Well, we realize that everything I can thank God for. God, I thank you that I've been given the opportunity to learn how to love this difficult person. Thank you that you are giving me the opportunity to endure this tough financial season. Thank you that you're teaching me how to trust you in the midst of what I would normally do on my own. God, I thank you for these different opportunities. God, I thank you for parenthood. I thank you for not knowing how to parent kids and having to lean into you and find answers that I didn't know how to get on my own. God, I thank you for the different trials and troubles that I'm facing because you're meeting me here in the midst of it. You're meeting me here and you're doing something good. I love what 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says. It says, I give thanks in all circumstance for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Did you catch that? Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Maybe God's will is less about what and more about who. Maybe it's less about what I'm going to do, what impact my life will have. Maybe it's less about that and more about who he is and who I'm becoming. As I learn how to be thankful in all things, the good and the bad, sometimes it's the good things that we have to find ourselves reminding to be thankful for. God provided that dream job that you had been hoping for, but you maybe didn't quite have the skills that you thought you did once you got into it. And you find yourself stretched beyond what you've ever been stretched. And you're having to go, God, thank you that you've put me in an environment to grow beyond what I knew I could do. God, thank you for stretching me. Thank you for giving me more. Thank you for doing more, God. God, I'm going to thank you in all circumstances. And as I press into that, I'm becoming something different. That's why it's God's will for my life. As I start to change into a different person. I start to become the kind of person that no matter what happens, no matter what comes at me, no matter how it feels, I don't lose course. I trust my instrument. I say, God, I'm going to move forward today with thanksgiving. I'm going to move forward today with thanksgiving. It doesn't happen just when the trial hits. If the rhythm isn't in place when the trial hits, you can, you can start to establish it. It's just going to probably be a lot harder. This is why a rhythm works 
is because it's something you do. You do it no matter what. You do it in good, you do it in bad. You do it in chaos, you do it in, in calm. We make Thanksgiving a rhythm. We make this our pattern. You know, real simply, even at the beginning of this year, um, I felt disoriented. We had just moved states, moved jobs. I felt disoriented and wasn't quite sure what, which way was up. And so I started writing down just five things I was thankful for every day. Just five. Sometimes it was hard to get through like three. And then I'd have to like, all right, well, I'm thankful for my shoes. You know, I was thankful for my shoes like five days in a row. But I was thankful. Sometimes it's hard to see what you're thankful for, but you just set that rhythm. You set the rhythm of being thankful. So then all of a sudden, when the storm does roll in, the one does feel like it's going to knock you off track, you have the rhythm that says, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. Look at what all you've done. And you also have a big list of things to look at and go, you did this, 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 you did this. You've never let me down. And I don't think you're going to start today. So I may feel like I'm going to crash, but you're going to be faithful. So I thank you. I enter his gates with thanksgiving. And I enter his courts with praise. I remind myself that he's good. It's not just what he's done that is good. He is good. He is good. He is good. He is the essence of good. Everything that is good comes from him because he is the source of all that is good. He is good. I remind myself, this is just who you are. When it feels like everything's wrong, I remind myself that he's right. When it feels like everything is going bad, I remind myself that he's good. When I feel lonely, I remind myself that he is love. When I feel like I'm going to fail, I remind myself that he's faithful. It's not about what he did, it's about who he is. That's what's the difference between thanksgiving and praise. Praise, I remind myself of who he is. If I can't remember what he's done, because sometimes it's hard to see what you need to be thankful for. I bet there were probably some this week that were hoping around the Thanksgiving table no one would ask you what you're thankful for. Because your life has just been rough. Maybe it's just been rough the last month. Maybe it's been rough the last few years. And you're thinking, don't ask me what I'm thankful for right now. It's in that moment we praise. When it doesn't look like there's anything good going on. When it doesn't feel like there's anything to thank God for. That's when we praise. That's when we remind ourselves of who he is. And it begins to shift things. There's a story in in Acts chapter 16 that that I just love. That I want to begin to conclude with. In Acts chapter 16, there's these two guys. Paul and Silas. And Paul and Silas are in this town and they're there sharing the gospel of Jesus. They're introducing people to him. They're discipling him. They're also working. And they're, they're doing their deal throughout the town and they're having some impact. And there's this 
young woman who happens to be a slave and she's possessed by a demon. And because of the affliction on her, the owners of her make a ton of money off of her. And they're just lining their pockets. And so Paul and Silas are out doing their deal, and this this girl starts to follow them around. And what she's saying is true. She's saying these men speak of the Most High God. Pay attention to them. But there's something about how she's saying it. She's mocking. She's causing chaos. She's a distraction, not a blessing. And they go on for a few days and they just deal with it. And it says that finally, Paul got so annoyed that this woman's trailing behind him, screaming truth in a mocking, in a chaotic way. Paul finally just turns around and says, demon, come out of her. And in an instance, she's put in her right mind. She's set free. Seems like a good thing. That's what they're there for, to reveal Jesus, his power, and all the good that flows out of that. But it doesn't quite go that good. See, the guys that owned her get really ticked off. And they take Paul and Silas, and they throw them in prison for inciting riot and chaos and and disturbing the peace of the city. And they find themselves in prison. Have you ever found yourself in a prison when you've done what you knew was right? It's what do we do then? Paul and Silas decide to take a praise break. They decide to not look at their circumstances. They decide to forget that there's chains holding them to a wall. And they decide to take a praise break. Look at what they did. In Acts 16, verse 25, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Did you hear that? People that are in a situation just like you, they hear how you respond. You might be the only Christian they know. At work, you might be the only one that they know. And everybody knows that the company's tanking. It's not doing well. The situation is not happening. What are you going to do? They're looking at you. And they're praising. And suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once, all the prison doors flew open. And everyone's chains came loose because there's power in praise. There's power in praise to shake things up, to set people free. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. This guy, put yourself in the jailer's shoes. He's just doing his job. And something outside of his control shifts his life. Something that he couldn't have stopped even if he tried. Just changed his life. What's going to happen now? And Paul screams out, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for the lights, 
rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your whole household. See, because there's power in your praise. There's power in your praise and people are watching. Don't let that scare you. Let that stir you with hope. Because there's people in your life that are going through things like you. And they're looking to you. What are we going to do? How is this going to work? What is going to happen next? How do I respond to this situation? My life is chaotic, but what do I do? And they're looking at you. Because your storm is no no secret to them. They're used to storms. They can spot somebody in a storm. That's their norm. Is they see you in the storm and they're looking at you going, how are they going to respond? We tell you it's time for a praise break. It's time for you to stop what is happening. To forget that the chains are on your arms. And to declare that God is good. Declare that God is faithful. He's been faithful to you. As it said, he's been faithful through all the generations. That his love endures. It's time to stop and be reminded that this is who you are. I may not be able to see the good that you're doing today, but I'm not going to forget who you are. It may not feel like things are happening my way, but I'm going to remember that you're faithful. I'm going to remember that you're true. I'm going to remember that you've never let me down. I'm going to remember that your love is never turned off towards me. I'm going to remember that you always forgive. That you are good. Maybe we need a praise break. Why don't you stand to your feet?